Welcome to Truly Rotten Potatoes, Canberra's toughest, hardest podcast in the world, where every episode we watch one of the terrible movies from Wikipedia's list of 0% critic ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I'm Declan, one of your co-hosts. I've got my friend Mitch here. Heyo. I've got his friend Morgan. Uh, hey, gangers. And uh, Hayden's not here, so we've, we've brought in um, his replacement. <laughs> Frankie McNair is here. Hello, it's me, the better version of Hayden. Wow. Big shoes to fill there. You are so lucky that you don't have to ever meet Hayden. (laughs) I plan on going my entire life without meeting Hayden, I think. (laughs) I think if you do a good enough job, you can just fill in for him. Thank you so much. You're on Does Hayden have any fun quirks that I need to, like, pick up? Hayden tries to do impressions like Morgan. (laughs) So have you got, what, what's your best impression? Mine or Morgan's? Yours, Frankie. We know Morgan's, he does them on the show every week. My best impression is Hayden. We've been through this. Please. This should be a, a pretty smooth transition, I think, from Hayden as co-host to Frankie as co-host. Like, this is going pretty well so far, just on, on, in those terms. Mm. All right. It's me, Hayden. I love to sing. I love to dance. I love my friends. <laughs> All right. I'm Hayden. We're losing it a little bit. Okay. No, All right. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Went with the gut instinct. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't really introduce you because because you slipped right in. I didn't I didn't say what what you do or who you are, but to me, I would describe you as a stand up comedian. Yeah. I would describe you as uh, the host of the Worst Gigs podcast. Yeah, this is all true. Would you describe yourself as an actor? Because I've seen you act in something that never came out. What did you see me act in? That's harrowing. I saw you act in this web series in Canberra. <gasps> oh, is that the Phoenix thing? Yes. Oh, and thank God that has never seen the light of day. I was... <laughs> you were really good in it. You were actually really good in it. Oh, no. I. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, yeah, I think I would describe myself as all of those things. Um, I would describe myself as an actor, even though I haven't really acted in anything. I just have the energy of an actor. I think I have the the spirit of someone who will eventually be wearing all black and like treading the floorboards of the stage and like telling harrowing stories from like 30 years ago on set. Mm. So I look forward to, to being that, to cosplaying as an actor. <laughs> and what is acting if not just doing an impression of someone? It's me, Hayden. <laughs> <Na-na>. <laughs> um, that's my show reel, it's just me being Hayden. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about a movie called Homecoming from 2009 this week. Um, Hell yeah. Firstly, did you get through the movie, Frankie? Because it is a Canberra's toughest podcast. And so, toughest like, podcast. just you, you have to, you have to hur- get over that first hurdle just to get in. So, did you make it? Yeah, I devoured it. I I loved it. It was so it was so good in a horrible way. Agreed. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I, Frankie, are you an OC fan? No, I'm not. I used to, I remember going to school and having two of my friends crying into each other's arms because I think Misha Barton had just died on the OC. Uh, spoiler. And oh, I like, I felt, yeah, mm, what you say. And I felt so sad that like I wasn't grieving with them. I felt really left out of the grieving process. <laughs> Did you feel so sad that you also cried and like took their arms and stuff and joined the thing but you were really crying because you didn't know what everyone was crying about? I was just crying because I felt left out. I was like, guys, yeah. please. That's um, me at funerals all the time. <laughs> Who are we grieving? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, 
No, I, I'm, so I'm not an OC fan, but are, are, there, are any of you guys OC fans? Big time. I definitely caught those first couple of seasons. Hell yeah. Mitch, don't downplay it. You, you rewatched it like three times in the last two years. <laughs> I'm rewatching it now. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm fully in. It's uh, such a joy. Anyone, if you have the time, the OC and, and the accompanying OC Bitches podcast. I don't have the time because I'm too oh. busy watching The Secret Life of Us. <laughs> I'm up to season two, baby. Oh, Secret Life of Us. That's the way that's... to go. Ooh. Is that anything Beautiful. like The Secret Life of Zack and Cody? Or is that like a, <laughs> a little bit reboot? That, yeah, if that's set in 2003 Sydney, like... Or is it St Kilda? I think it might be St Kilda. Just following like some 25 to 28 year olds as they explore and navigate love and romance and living in the same apartment block. If that's what that Zack and Cody thing you mentioned is like, then yes, it is like that. That could be a sequel of uh, Secret Life of Zack and Cody. I actually have just is clicked that- what you were talking about, like a classic Australian, like, okay, I feel like I've just like yeah. spat on a grave and I feel terrible. <laughs> it's the prequel to The Secret Life of Pets, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, we should probably talk about why we were talking about the OC and Misha Barton so much. So, mm. she's in this movie. She's right. like the main character in Homecoming 2009. Not to be mistaken with Spider-Man Homecoming or like three other movies called Homecoming. Yeah. This is the kind of, I don't know if you'd call it a horror or a thriller. It, it has aspects of those. It's kind of like a teen movie. I was I was personally thrilled. Mm. So yes. It's I thrilling for sure. Um, and Misha Barton plays like one of the lead characters some would say she plays the psycho okay she and like we may i just quickly say um we love a crazy ex-girlfriend narrative it hasn't been done enough i would say (laughs) that is my um my personal opinion um do, do any of you agree with me this is a fucking trap. Say yes. Yeah. It's just such a relatable story. Definitely. Like it's universal. <laughs> I mean, this is just what it's like when you come home, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Much like the the kind of male lead in this movie, I was a really good football player. Yeah. yeah. Who at the age of like 24, they retired my number in my hometown. Mm. Like I was that good. Yeah. Tw- 24? Okay. That brings me to my first question of the movie. How old are these people? I actually don't know. It is a beautiful range, I would say, to like... Okay, I think that they are like at least under 21 because there is one scene where like the dad passes the um, the hot and normal son and incredibly plain son a beer and he's like mm. kind of surprised. He's like, oh, I'm bonding with my dad by underage drinking. And haven't we all? Right. So I think that they're under 21, but also they all look about 35. Yeah. Misha Button works in a bar. Oh, she right? works at a That's bowling alley. Barton. She owns. But they sell alcohol. So she's like oh, old yeah. enough to sell alcohol to people this is what oh, i'm saying that's that's why her oh. character's name is drinky mc bowling alley um actually it's shelby <laughs> what excuse me is it mm. wait no is it shelby it is shelby. It's absolutely shelby don't doubt yourself shelby. king you oh. have 100 shelby oh. you can do it oh my god and you know it's what the the current girlfriend's name is which they will never refer to her as any shortened version of her name is elizabeth, elizabeth. oh right and mike our male protagonist is referred to as Mikey by every character at least five or six times. But mm. I mean, these people, these people, think about it. These people have had sex and they're still calling each other Mikey and Elizabeth. When does that become more colloquial? When does the when does the formality wear off in that relationship? 
I'm not calling my girlfriend Elizabeth Elizabeth. I will I will never allow a lover to call me anything uh, other than my full name. <laughs> but your first name isn't Francis Elizabeth. McNair. How are you? I wish it was. After watching this film, I think I'll be changing it to Elizabeth. I don't let anyone call me by my full name. You, I'm either Morgie, the Morganator. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mungrat. Mungrat, but never Morgan. <laughs> Well, formal. that's clearly because you haven't been sleeping with enough people who respect you to call you by your full name. That's right. Your full Christian name. That's true. That's always been your problem, Mugrat. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, I guess the very basic plot line is Mikey was like a high school football star, mm-hmm. mm. which, which is funny because he's not gone pro. He's not in the college leagues. He's not like a successful footballer. But I guess for those... Four years of high school, he was like the best player they've ever had. And so they've invited him back to his hometown to retire his jersey, which again is something that happens normally at the end of a long and storied career where you've broken records, you've been the best player at a club, you retire and the club, out of respect, retires your jersey. And they say, no one else is ever going to have that number. You mean that much to us. That doesn't really make sense to me that they would do that to this guy who, again, is maybe 20 years old or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does. He wants to retire it because he's he's an old dog by this point, Declan. <laughs> he's in his late teens to early 20s. It's time to hang up he's done. the jacket. His physical prowess, is he's over. It's time for him and Elizabeth to get married and become really mature and, you know, never play football if again. If he was that good and he was at that age, yeah. he would be playing professionally. He would be, like, a Super Bowl champion. He would be, like, yeah. in the big leagues, not just, like, I have a counter-argument um, that he is actually playing in the college team because if you had studied the film as in-depth as I had, the <laughs> shitty psych teacher ex-boyfriend was like, they don't need you this week, bud. And he's like, no, we've got to buy. And he's like, okay. And then he calls him a prick. So um, he is playing oh, yeah. for the college team. But that weekend, also, I have no fucking idea what the time frame of this film was. Apparently, it was a weekend. Mm. But it felt like a month. Um, <laughs> but they had a buy. So don't freak out. He is playing. Okay. So he is here. I guess the time gets mixed up because so many people get knocked unconscious and then wake up. You assume like a whole night has passed, but maybe it's just always been like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, those cutaways are just like 15 max. <laughs> a large portion of the middle of the movie seems to just be the fishing scenes at the beginning. Like that takes like a full 20 minutes to really break down that, I guess, Marissa, sorry, Shelby, I, I was going to call her Marissa, <laughs> but... um my only problem with this movie was that really slow block in the middle. But I guess it, it was sort of torturous. It was bringing us into the misery aspects of the movie. That was your only problem with the movie? Oh, I had a great time. I was laughing. I was excited. I was pleasantly surprised. you got to understand, we've watched a lot of these movies. <laughs> when it starts, you sort of have like 10 minutes to figure out, like, is this going to be dread? Or is this going to be a raucous yep. good time? And luckily for me, I was having a blast. I really love this movie. Yeah. I agree. You were bouncing off the wall. Yeah, it was pretty slow to begin with, but it, it picked up once we knew where, where we were going. You know, Once she was walking along the highway and she was clearly going to strike her down, strike Elizabeth down, 
I knew this was going to get good. So what have, what have we covered plot-wise? Oh, well, yeah, we should say. So Mikey's come back to his hometown to retire his high school jersey. He's with his new blonde girlfriend, Elizabeth, and his ex-girlfriend, Misha Barton, works at the bar and has been telling people that they're still together or that they never really broke up. And so he runs into like three different people that are like, are you going to go see her? She says you guys are still good. And he's like, what are you? I've got a new girlfriend. She's right here. Um, that's basically all the setup you need. The movie does start with like a kind of pre-credits teaser, which is Misha Barton drunk driving and crying in the middle of the night. She crashes her car oh, yeah. and you don't really know what happened, but that's like, you find out halfway through what happened. Um, and then there's like a sitcom-esque opening title montage of like <laughs> them all as teenagers in kind of photos and this weird- Very mm, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Yes, that's what I thought. And then it's like a, a, a 90s female soft rock song about like homecoming queen and stuff. And then the most important part of the movie that no one ever talks about is that this movie was directed by Morgan Freeman. Yes. And this is his finest work. But it's important to say... I don't think you need to say it. I don't think you need to make the quote. It's not the Morgan Freeman we know and love. It's not the Mugrat Freeman that we sometimes refer to. It's Morgan J. Freeman, who directed such movies as American Psycho 2. Oh. Oh. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. The Mila Kunis classic. And this movie could be called American Psycho 3, am I right? I don't know. Did it come out after American Psycho 2? Yeah, it did. Let's it did. have a look on the old... No, no, no. I'll trust you. I'll... Yeah, we can call right. it that. Yes, it we did. Can. It did. We can call it that. Um, I think it's important to note as well that in that opening scene where we see Misha Barton, a.k.a. Shelby, coming into the bar, which we then quickly discover is a bowling alley, that there's an elderly gentleman sitting at a table and he's like, I really need to talk to you. And she just blanks him, walks straight behind the bar, and then he approaches the bar and says, you've really got to come down to the bank. So it's like, she owns this joint. How does this 20, 21, 22-year-old own a bowling alley? Her- well, we'll find out later. Oh, okay. I was like, do you want me to tell <laughs> yeah. you? I know the answer. <laughs> I can tell you right now. That's the thing with this movie. I, I kind of realized it's pretty easy to summarize this movie in like, I don't know, 50 words. It's, it's not hard. I have so many questions though about like, <laughs> in that first 10 minutes, it was just... Inside, and like a cup, like a, a bit of it, I was like, "All right, it will get resolved as the movie continues," and it did. But it just like for like a hot moment, you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> like yeah. when in that like first like pre the story of just like her smashing down someone with her car, and then because you have no idea where in the movie that is, if that's like a thing that like happened in the past and then um mikey is like you know that thing with your mom when your mom died and i was like wait did misha barton run her mom over yeah and also they broke up he was like it was so hard your mom had just died i was going to college so we had to break up and i was like you're a piece of shit (laughs) yeah you're a piece of shit because her mum died and you're like, well, that's a bummer. Bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously an escape route for her. She's like, oh, mum's dying. She has to take care of her. You seem preoccupied with this funeral. You're not giving me perfect. enough attention. Well, let's quickly talk it. about Mike then. Because Mike is... Because I was trying to figure out why was this movie so Just quickly, right? just quickly, but then I never want to hear that name again. Okay? <laughs> Mikey... <laughs> Is uh, one of the like worst, like if I was Elizabeth 
And not to get into spoilery territory, but uh, I'd be pretty upset with this piece of shit. Because he doesn't, he's not that loyal. He's just kind of like, I don't know, I'll just listen to my cousin Billy pretty much the entire movie just being like, don't worry about anything, man. Like, chicks just run off, dude. Like, doesn't matter. And he's like, yeah, man, you're right. Let's get drunk. Like, all right, I'm rooting for this guy. Mikey is a piece of shit character. (laughs) Mikey is a piece of shit. I was so mad. Like, when he got into town and... His cousin Billy was like, hey, I just spoke to Shelby. She thinks that you guys are still together. And he's like, ugh, but we haven't spoken in months. I'm like, did you ghost (laughs) your long-term girlfriend when you moved to college? Mm. Like, did you have a chat about breaking up? Or did you just go, your mom's dying and I'm going to college? See you when I see ya. I guess that's like, all like, there what? is to say. It's like, oh. He just thinks that's all right. It's, it's not all right. Mikey's wrong on all accounts there. I wish Mikey was the one who got hit by the car, to be honest. I sort of do too. What about the character of Eddie, right? So in the very early scene, Mike and his girlfriend are like packing the car or they're getting ready to go away. And then Eddie, her weird friend who's definitely, like, too close to her. It's an ex. And has one... Oh, is, yeah, oh he yeah. is the has, ex, has like, right. It's an ex. Oh, yeah. He, he, he has two lines in this movie, and then he says something like, oh, I wish you weren't going away. There's a poetry benefit on. And she's like, no, I got to go with my new football boyfriend to this thing. Yeah, I was like, who is this guy? He's creepy. Does not show up for, the for like, at least an hour there's like one more reference to him way later on. But it's one of those weird things where they made him out to be weird and then just brushed him yeah, off. Yeah, because they they made him out to be weird so that they were like, oh, when I don't know how much I can spoil of the film. At this point, I, wanna... I mean, why are we paying respect to Homecoming? <laughs> Elizabeth gets kidnapped by Misha Barton. I will not be calling her Shelby. I will be calling her Misha Barton the entire time. She gets kidnapped by her and they're like, I think she ran away because she got cold feet and she went to go be with that absolute soft boy, Eddie, who as soon as I met, I wanted to punch him in the throat. I hate Eddie. I think Eddie's a piece of shit. Eddie and Mikey both hit by the car, please. Yeah, and that's really what, that should have been the premise and the name of the movie. Eddie and Mikey <laughs> hit by the car, please. But it would have been a good movie if Mikey was hit by the car and then you had Misha Barton and Elizabeth out in the world interacting and and then her having to convince Elizabeth of some bullshit lie that Mikey just ran off back home to be with Eddie. Soft Eddie. That'd be interesting. I would watch that movie too. Let's do it. Let's start crowdfunding. But it's the whole town. I'm it, calling me. It has to be the whole town that's in on the conspiracy as well. You know, at one point it, it felt like his cousin, who I've forgotten his name, who we also Billy. didn't mention. Did we mention he's the cop? He's like the town cop. We'll we'll, we'll get to, to him in a sec. Yeah, yeah, Mikey's cousin Billy. I thought he was. I thought he was in cahoots with Misha Barton for a good 80% of the movie, mainly because they kept showing him smoking. And it's like, well, he's a sinister minister. Mm. And he kept putting like whiskey in his coffee, in his own coffee as well. That's something only the most evil of coppers would do. So Mikey has this cousin, Eddie, uh, this cousin, uh, Billy. And this is part of the problem, right? When When you're writing a movie and you're thinking of character names... It's bad enough to just name your characters like Mike as just like generic white guy, American bred character. But then you go, you got Mikey, 
you got Eddie as the ex-boyfriend, you got Billy as the cop cousin, and you've got Shelby as the girlfriend. And you're like, these names are too similar. <laughs> what are you doing? And then Elizabeth. Yeah, they've all got E's. To really break yeah, it up. The... Yeah, she's the odd one out. The sore thumb. All right, so, so, so let's just jump to Billy's introduction where they get to town. Billy's like, Shelby's saying that she's like in love with you. But he's always hanging out with uh, her in the alley. So he's, he's weirdly infatuated. Minor side note, this guy uh, was in uh, the Final Destination 2 movie. Yeah, he's great. I love that guy. It's the one with the logs. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you thank you for indulging a side note. Oh, the logs. That's the one where the logs go through the front the windshield log of the car. And, yep. That's all I know of that my franchise. My favorite logging That's film. one of my real fears as well. <laughs> it also happens in The Descent. I think it's the start of the movie The Descent yeah. where you're behind one of those trucks and it's got the logs and someone in the middle just gets dislodged and flies through and gets me. And every time I'm behind one of those, I expect that to happen. And I'm like already ready to swerve. My biggest fear for my own safety is that I'll one day be indicating into a cent at like a middle lane of either a three or four lane road. And as I do that, somebody else in the other lane will do the same thing. And I'll get something in both my eyes at the same time and have to be like, ah, ah, but I can't un, I'm already halfway through the process. So then I smash into this other, and he's also got, or she has things <laughs> in, 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 yes, in her eyes as king, well. Yes, king, ally. <laughs> All right, Frankie, what are your... Anyone can get into car accidents. That's right, anyone yeah. can crash their car this day and Frankie, age. Frankie, what are your worst, uh, <laughs> worst fears and dreads? Uh, my worst fear... Uh, for, I think anytime I'm about to go on a roller coaster, like I just make peace with the fact that I'm like, you're like going to go on a roller coaster, you may not come off. And that's okay. Or you may come off, but not when you want to. And that's fine. And so like, I truly like have like, it's the most zen I ever feel. Yeah. It's just beforehand where I'm like, you got to accept it. This is the risk you take. You know, otherwise you die scared. And who wants that? Nah, I'm not a loser. <laughs> never thought of that. Like, yeah, you're never allowed to get off the roller coaster. That's terrifying. If they just keep it going. <laughs> yeah, forever. Now that's a movie. <laughs> yeah, I like that formula. I just, I needed to say this as well. They say homecoming mm. like over like 50 times throughout this movie. Yeah. Like I, they could not, they could not say the title of the movie more. Which is what you want in a movie. You want the title. You do. You come there for the title. If they starve you of that, what are you there for? Story? No. Exactly. I'm often watching a movie and like I'm just like, I can't wait for them to say Star Wars. We're about to engage in Star Wars. And I'm like, we did it. We did it, everyone. Um, they took they took it a step further with this movie, though. They kept saying, like, come on, you don't want to miss The Homecoming. <laughs> it's directed by Principal Morgan J. Freeman. <laughs> they did. They kept saying that. I mean, you... You'd only just hear that last bit if you really listened. Morgie J. Freeman, I think they said. So we've talked about the setup of the story. There's Frank, oh, not Frankie. <laughs> that's another character that's in it's there. It's me, the protagonist. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's Mikey. There's his ex, Shelby. He's with Elizabeth. They go back home. And uh, Shelby still thinks that they're mm. together or maybe that they can rekindle. And everyone keeps saying, you got to go see Shelby, man. She's talking like you're still together. He, he doesn't want to, but he does. She tries to kiss him. He, he, he rejects her. And um, she doesn't take it super well. And basically what happens in the movie is she 
kidnaps Elizabeth and tortures her for a while and um, kind of goes like a little, I'm not going to say crazy, but I'll just say like has has some sort of mental manic. health issues. She goes a little yeah. manic. And I mean, let's be honest, She, this is a classic case of, Okay, so in my in my second job in between podcasts, I sort of work in mental health. And this is a classic case of nymphomania. She has <laughs> nymphomania. Um, and it needs to be addressed. It's a serious thing, you know. Um, it needs to be treated. And otherwise, it comes out in the strangest car crash on purpose scenarios. I just can't emphasize how alive Elizabeth is, though. Yes. <laughs> how alive for an extended period of time she is. Yeah. In fact, the, that, that I think this was the, my major problem with the movie, which, um, as Mitch alluded to, is one of the best we've watched, to be <laughs> honest. Like, the most watchable. It really wasn't a bad movie. I think the, the key error that they made was that there's no mystery or suspense. We know exactly what the situation yeah. is. We understand that Misha Barton's Shelby is a little off her rocker. We understand she's jealous. And we understand that she's the one who kidnapped Elizabeth. So we're, we're ahead of the characters for the whole movie. And so Mikey for like half the movie is going, I just can't find her anywhere. She's not answering her phone. I don't know what the, what's going on. And we're going, well, we, we know what happened. She's not well, Mikey. <laughs> yeah, you need to find her. There's just, there's just nothing to kind of keep you like going like what's going to happen next. Because you either go, well, she's either going to kill her or she's going to let her go and she'll be arrested or... It's an American movie. They'll someone will get shot at the end. Like there's not. There's yeah, not a it's lot. a real scream at the scream at the screen experience where you want the characters to realize stuff that you know, which I, I think is what made the experience fun. Like when Misha Barton does strike her down in her vehicle, because uh, also they spend like a minute describing how they're going to get Elizabeth to a motel instead of going to meet his mum because she's slightly too drunk because yeah. Misha Barton gave her too many shots. They spend like a minute explaining that whole... Well, hold on. What if I drop you here first? But no, I'm not going to be able to logistically make it back there if you do that. Well, hold on. I'll give you a lift. It's like, we don't need to know any of that shit. She gets dropped <laughs> off at a motel because she's too drunk, doesn't want to meet Mikey's mum and be all embarrassed. Yeah. Doesn't care about the dad. But then they don't let her in for some reason. No vacancy, Oh, that guy was a piece yeah. of shit. Because so it's, it's football I night. I loved yeah. it. It's football, football night. The, the yeah. motel owner who said, I'm sorry, like we're full. And then she went outside to make a phone call. And you see <laughs> him watch her and close the door and then turn the lights off when she starts knocking. I'm like, sir, yeah. do you have no sisters? Do you have no wife? <laughs> but he does because yeah. she also works there. Yeah. Because she's the day shift worker. <laughs> so you're like, oh, you're just the worst old man in the world. Well, yeah, he sucks. There's probably worse old men. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy that runs this motel... Uh, Elizabeth, oh, we should say that it's part of Shelby's plan. She she purposely keeps giving drinks to Elizabeth and gets her drunk and then says things like, oh, Mikey's mum doesn't like yeah. drunk girls. Maybe it would be better if you didn't. And then, she, well, she, yeah, she's like, oh, I better not meet her because I don't want to do a bad impression. I'll just go to a motel tonight. She goes to like the only motel in town. She comes in. There's clearly a neon sign that says vacancy. She says, hey, can I have a room? And he goes, oh, no, it's homecoming night and it's football night. It's the most busy time of the year. We don't have any rooms for you. She says, who's hosting it this year? Oh, didn't you hear? It's Morgan J. Freeman. <laughs> 
And then she's like, it's like snowing. It's not good weather for her to be just outside. And then, yeah, he just like locks the door and turns the vacancy sign into a no vacancy, like after he's rejected her. And then she's walking along the side of the road in the middle of the night and an unhappy Misha Barton is driving and drinking and, and that's where the crash comes. She doesn't do it on purpose. She hits her with her car. They leave it sort of ambiguous about what Misha's true nature is because she's smoking a cigarette, she drops the cigarette. As she goes to get the cigarette, she comes back up and she's like, oh shit, I'm going to hit this woman. Then she hits the woman. And then we cut to yeah. this woman who is Elizabeth in bed somewhere being taken care of Misha Barton's character. And it's like, well, where are yeah. we? What's going on? How did she get this IV drip in her hand? It's and very it's, Kathy Bates in that's Misery, a, it's right? like, like Shot she's, for she's shot. She's tied to the shot bed. Shot for shot. Yeah. The same fucking thing. I think that they just went, we want Misery, but can we make them both hot? And instead of liking a book, kind of just be like a guy that plays football. <laughs> and they all high-fived. Yeah. It was, it was like the quickest. <laughs> you guys have got all these sophisticated references. I was just going to say it reminded me of that Arrested Development episode where Lucille was trying to hit her son Job because she saw him <laughs> while she was driving. A little yeah, scare. Yeah, she's going to just give him a little scare. But then The Rock... <laughs> that's in the back of the car hits Michael Bluth's head and then she frames it so that he was driving yeah. and then is trying to convince him the whole episode. Man, let's watch that next time. <laughs> I think that's season one, My Mother the Car, if, I'm, if I remember yeah. correctly. And it's probably already a parody of like a Kubrick film or something. So Elizabeth wakes up. Uh, uh, Shelby didn't... She, she did set out to get her drunk and kind of like put in her head that maybe she shouldn't meet um, Mike's mum when, when she's drunk. Mm. That's a, that's the worst thing she's done so far. Then she accidentally hits her. So you're like, oh, it's a mistake. Then she brings her to her house, ties her up in the bed, and you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. But she's like, oh, I found you by the side of the road, and I'm taking care of you. I'm giving you drugs, and I've got this IV, but you can't get up for a while. And so it's you're on this borderline of like, you know, she's being weird but it's you know no, she hasn't fully no, dug herself not, in not no, maybe she's no, big with no, this is no. not this is she straight off the bat i'm like yeah. you you wake up in somebody else's house and they've got an iv drip in you and they work at a bowling alley <laughs> no you're gonna ask some questions i guess i'm just a little more forgiving than you i think you're just too suspicious oh i'm sorry I, no uh, i think frank frankie's man. yep I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but she has, she touched on something there, which is the qualifying factor. She worked at a fucking bowling alley. <laughs> oh, she is a psychopath. Well, yeah. The other thing is that she is lying to her and saying, I just found you on the side of the road. You're so lucky I came But that's along. what you do when you've made a mistake. That's <laughs> you what lie. you do when you know you made a little mistake. You tell a little white lie and you make it seem like you did the right thing. <laughs> the point where you know that it goes creepy is when Elizabeth sees in Shelby's house that she has like one of those childlike shrines of everything Mikey's ever done, mm. giving me real Helga and Arnold mm. vibes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But I mean, when we were all growing up and we would find those wounded magpies at the base of a gum tree down by the local football field. Yeah, we'd nurse we, them back to health. That's well, what no, I'm I mean, saying. No, first you'd take it to the vet and they'd say, what are you doing? Take this home, give it an IV drip with Demerol. This, we don't take care of this shit. You go. And then they would, you know, they'd tell you to do exactly what Misha Barton did. And then Misha the vet Barton would did. say, the vet would say, how did this bird get injured? Did you find it on the side of the road? And you mm. would say, 
Well, I certainly didn't hit it with my car, if that's what you're asking. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to take this home. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't smoking a cigarette and like <laughs> crashed into the bird. No way. So, yeah, I think it's a fine thing to do. But she works at a bowling alley. <laughs> so, this is where uh, Elizabeth has probably the first of nine to ten mild escapes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which oh are really just like standing up and like trying to creep out the door, getting close, and then Shelby's like, what are you doing? It killed me. I told you to stay in bed. And then at one point she like fully breaks her ankle and like drills the door locked. And then I'm starting to feel like maybe she's gone too far. And I think it's a testament to the quality of this movie as compared to the other ones that we've had to review that I was actually like angry at the film for being so stupid. You know, when characters are just so dumb, like take the fucking IV out of your hand. That's, that is sedating you and making you weaker and essentially giving you a disability more so than your foot that you can't walk on. Like, I'm angry at the movie at that point, which means it's a good movie, because otherwise I'd be like, I don't care, it's a shit movie. Of course she's got an IV in her yeah, fucking hand. I didn't care for the re-breaking of the foot. I didn't care Ooh. for it. It it didn't make me feel good. And it, it didn't me, make yeah. my dainty, beautiful ankles feel good. It was <laughs> um, upsetting to watch. But uh, also, can I... Oh, sorry, no. No, go, go. <laughs> oh, Okay. Not the most upsetting um, gore in the movie. <laughs> that, that is saved for later with a, a, a pair of hedge clippers. Oh, yeah. I sat there and just yelled, what the fuck? What? Why? <laughs> that was, Why yeah. would you do that? Anyway. Legitimately disturbing. Sorry, Frankie. You, you go. No, I just I just realized that we haven't pointed out as well. Misha Button's voice this entire movie was just... Oh. Was just but, not... It wasn't right. It was like no. very... It was very much like I am reading a script, but it was... It kind of... Oh, what did it sound like? I don't know how to describe what it sounded like. She's just been... That's what she sounds like in the OC, though. That's why... No, really? Is that what she sounds like? Is we this just so her voice? Bad. Am I just ragging on her personal trait? Oh, my God. No, no, no. Because in the OC, she's like, California. I think she wanted to differentiate herself. So she went for, like, Southern gal. But <laughs> when it comes out where she's just kind of been like, oh, better, better come in. We're getting slammed tonight. And you're like, is there an accent? She's just you kind too- of... You two are late tonight. You can't yeah. do that. <laughs> she like, like she's, she's not sure. What you, what we're, she's doing an accent, I but think it's we're all picking up on this is a common trait in people suffering from stage three nymphomania <laughs> is that their voice just drops like a semitone, and the way that they accent their words is unnatural mm. and sounds scripted. Almost anyone with a partial southern accent has suffering from nymphomania. Some, they have yeah. some degree of nymphomania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we didn't talk about when Elizabeth and Misha Barton met at the bowling alley and they had their private little chat and they were like, Mikey, go away. We can't talk about you while you're here. And then he, she, he goes away for literally two seconds and he looks across the bar and they're compare. They're like talking about the size of his dick. <laughs> like... Did anybody else see that part where she's like holding on? She's like, it's this big. Yeah, that that happened. And it's two people that have seen it as well. That's the part when if you're Elizabeth and you've met this person, you'd be like, okay, this person is not very nice. You know, like (laughs) they're talking about the man I love and just like 
zeroing in on his penis immediately and trying to just like degrade him in front of me. I think that this movie is like, oh, how are they going to like bond? And they're like, I guess they've both experienced the same penis. So let's put that that in there. I guess. Yeah. It was also just the time in movies. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No, it does not. Which is like really shocking. For a 2009 film. Yeah. <laughs> but hold on, wait. Does it pass it? I know that the rule is two females have to speak about a character, uh, anything that's not another male character, right? There's probably times where Misha Barton's character and Elizabeth are talking about, like, are you going to kill me? Uh, Does that no. pass the test? The <laughs> amount of times that Misha Barton just comes in and goes, I'm going to fuck your boyfriend tonight, like, that outweighs... Ooh. Are you going to okay, kill yeah. me? I reckon. <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. Let's go into that. Uh, her tactics of like intimidation by coming in in like a silk yes. nighty and lingerie. <laughs> being like, oh. I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to fuck Mikey. Or, or, or I don't know oh. what she was saying at that a- point. And before it gets there. So you're like, she, she hasn't got a plan here. She accidentally hit her with the car. She's thinking on her feet. She tries to convince her that I saved you from the side of the road. And then I'm going, all right, what is her plan here? And she just does not have one. She's like, uh, while you're tied up, I'm going to call Mikey and be like, please have lunch with me at the bowling alley. And he's like, okay, I will. And that's like all she's got. But this is the point where I'm going like, there's no interest. There's no intrigue. We we get it. Where the hell does it go from here for the last 45 minutes? And it really does just like kind of tread water, like go in the same cycle. Shelby takes a few steps out the door. Uh, uh, Elizabeth takes a few steps out the door. Shelby's like, where do you think you're going? Smash you, lock you in. She escapes again. She's like trying to call the cops. Where do you think you're going? I cut the phone cords. Oh no. And that just keeps happening over and over again. Mm. My favorite iteration of that part of the story was when the bank manager made <laughs> yes. his reappearance. <laughs> yes. And he comes to the house and goes inside and sees all the overdue bills and can hear her screaming from upstairs but does nothing and then exits and looks up at the window and she's clearly like banging on the window and then he with his old (laughs) tired eyes he looks through the window again he's like oh no it's just that woman i was speaking to going upstairs to wave at me from the window (laughs) she she said goodbye to me at the front door sprinted up the window banged for help and then just waved goodbye to me again that makes sense. I think my, my favorite time that Elizabeth was caught trying to leave was when Shelby came in with a photo that Elizabeth had dropped from the room and said, if you're going to snoop around in someone's business, you should probably ask permission first. <laughs> no, you shouldn't, Shelby. That's the point yeah. of snooping. She you, doesn't get it. You fool. That was a sick line. I do like the idea of someone going to your house and just being like, do you mind if I snoop around in here for a while? Oh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Make yourself at home. (laughs) Okay, so meanwhile, through all of this, Mikey, his plot line is just misdirect. (laughs) Just him being like, I think something's real wrong. And they're like, I think something's real wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Every single person he talks to is just like the most gaslighting guy who's like, (laughs) you need to get back with your old girlfriend and stop worrying about your new missing girlfriend. She just left you and you just don't know what it feels like to get dumped. (laughs) When he straight up believes that his girlfriend is missing, like he's like... She's probably dead. Like, he's just found out that there was no one in the morgue. Like, he's that's how worried he is. Yeah. He's checked the morgue. But he's still 
makes the time to meet his ex for a lunch. Yeah. I'm like, what? What are you doing, yeah. you piece of shit? And then, um, then they get start him and his cop cousin, who's the one being like, you just haven't been rejected before. That's why you don't know what it feels like when your girlfriend checks into a motel, never actually stays there, and then disappears completely and won't answer her phone. That's just what it's like to be rejected. Other guys are used to that all the time. (laughs) Also, it could have been her ex-boyfriend, Eddie, that we met for like two seconds at the start. Let's just like put all the suspicion on him. Hey, I mean, anything could have happened. Yeah. But what what did happen... And what we know happened, because we know Eddie has not been in this movie, but we've seen Misha Barton... Like torturing this lady again. There's no suspense. There's no mystery. It's just characters. Hey, guessing. you know what there is? There's there's almost a catchphrase though. Do you know what Misha's catchphrase was in this movie? She says it. She says it twice. Uh, I just I just want to be appreciated. Nah, she she says this line twice. So it's not quite a catchphrase, but it's like they they probably edited out once or twice where she said it. She says, "Now look what you made me do." She <laughs> oh says that yeah. Two times. That's her thing. She says that when she accidentally axes herself in the calf muscle after axing oh. the <laughs> phone line. Because uh, Elizabeth tries to use the phone at one point and then she's like, oh, that was a great scene, actually. She's like, oh, I was just getting a glass of water. And then she's like, really? That doesn't look like a tap. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool. And then she accidentally uh, stabs herself in the foot with the axe. And then later on in the movie, she stabs the cop in the... Is it a stab with an axe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hack. Hacks into him with (laughs) it. He hacks. Yeah. Yeah. She hacks him and then says, now look what you made me do. So she's got this real connection with the axe. And and I don't know if she's blaming it is my thing. Is she blaming the axe for all this behavior or the characters around her? Point is she can't take responsibility. And that's another classic trait of somebody in stage three nymphomania. So... This is the point, like an hour in, I started to feel like this doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like if this was a true story where you read in the newspaper that like a girl had kidnapped her her boyfriend's ex-boyfriend's current girlfriend. And then you were just like, I have to expand that into a movie. And so it's just very logical. It's very like real. It's just kind of step by step of what would happen bit by bit. But it's not super interesting. But then you're just like, well, I just, there's one thing I want to know. Does she get out and does Misha Barton face justice? And that's like all I'm waiting for for like the last hour of the movie. You know what I wasn't waiting for was the evidence under the toilet. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. That like she'd been slowly poisoning her mum so that she could die quicker, so she could go and meet Mikey at college and they could be together. If only she died one month earlier was yeah. my favourite line. That was a line. I, I loved it. Yeah. Why couldn't that fucking bitch have died one month earlier? <laughs> See, I would I I oh, really crap. think that maybe the movie would have benefited a little bit more if Shelby was just in over her head and just kept doing things because she was just losing it because the bank was going to take the bowling alley of her house. Yeah, like a like Fargo or something, like a Coen Brothers movie. I wish it was all... Yeah. You, you make one mistake at the start and it snowballs mm. and you just keep making it worse until you've like completely blown up your whole life. Yeah. That wasn't quite it, though, was it? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't quite that eloquent, I don't think. They're like, Shelby's a fucking psycho. She always was, and Mike needs to get the fuck out of here. And you're like, ah, 
Okay. And I love that they insinuated that she was a psycho because she was a dynamite lay as well. Like I remember when they're like, <laughs> they were like talking, he's like, fishing. oh, is she like a, like a dynamite in the sack like Shelby? And he's like, nah, it's like, there are no complaints, yeah. but it's more than that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, mate. Yeah. She's a hurricane in the sack and it's confirmed right then and there. <laughs> the, the turn from Mikey being like, I honestly feel like my girlfriend could be dead. We need to check the morgue to them being like, you've just been dumped and she didn't tell you. Come drink with the boys and let's party this off. And him being like, yeah, you know what? That that must be it. Is is yeah, that's not right. very realistic. Like I just, Mikey was such a nice guy until this point. No, he wasn't. He but didn't break up with his girlfriend. <laughs> this is exactly right. I'm like, at, at, at this point in the movie, He's not really, like, he was worried, but it, he didn't do anything about it. <laughs> like, and no, then he nearly... I mean, what he is, is he's an, he's an inactive person in his <laughs> life. Like, he's a, he's a handsome guy who's talented at football. Everything's always happened to him, and he's never had to do anything. And now he has to do something, and all he's done is move away from this woman that he supposedly loved. And then abandoned this woman at the drop of a hat from like a text message and just bad advice from the people around him. I mean, he's young. He's dumb. I'm not going to say what he's full, full of, but he he's those first two things. And he's Mikey. But if we could just circle back to the toilet evidence for a second. I liked the <laughs> bit that said um, it showed pictures of the mother obviously getting older and sicker. So just to jump in, this is Elizabeth in Shelby's house, again, snooping without permission probably the sixth time she's escaped and and she's like going under the, the bathroom sink and stuff and just looking for stuff and she finds all these like letters and photos and things, right? She's looking for anything. She lifts up the toilet cistern and sees that there's taped underneath that like a file of just all these different papers that are in a plastic sleeve so it doesn't get sodden with crap water. And she pulls it all out and looks at these photos. And then there's like a text document that says poisonous plants, which has been circled <laughs> yeah. like four times. Yeah. No, it, we, other than that, there's no actual evidence that she yeah. really like yeah. did anything. It's just a weird thing to have in your Why house. Why would you keep it? Like shred <laughs> yeah. it, babe. Babe, shred it. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, like the case is over. Everyone thinks your mom died of natural causes. You've, you've inherited the house and whatever else, like... There's no need to keep that there evidence. There is no there. need to keep that evidence. Like at no point will you be like, this is going to help me out. Yeah. If I hold on to this, this is really going to save my life. I can use mind. this to blackmail myself. Yeah. Which supports my theory that she was framed. This whole this whole thing is all just a misunderstanding. She was not framed. <laughs> she was not framed. Eddie did it. It was Eddie. He done it. He done it all. So at the same time that Mike is now like partying at the bar with the boys, Shelby has been working the master plan she's developed on the fly, which is maybe while Elizabeth is tied up at my house, I can seduce Mikey. And then I guess her plan is like convince him to leave her, never ask questions. Oh no, she's they've already convinced him that she's just left him. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I've got a chance to get back in. And so as Mitch said, she walks in a couple times like in her underwear and basically says like, I think I think tonight I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck Mikey. I think I'm gonna have sex with your boyfriend. That's her plan. And she, she gets pretty close. She, she goes to the she bar. pretty close. They make some eyes. She does. They, they meet in a bathroom. Yeah. They start to get hot and heavy. And good guy Mikey, <laughs> legend, says... Top says, like. The nicest what? guy Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the nicest boy in town. He, they stop because he smells his ex's perfume that she has put on. Yeah. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he says this one, ah, oh, I'm drunk and I'm not thinking straight, which is just the classic good guy line. Absolutely. Uh, of course. Also, there's a band at the bar and they're playing that song that's like, I try, but I try. And I just thought that was a fun little uh, addition to the movie. Okay, I didn't recognize that song. Ah, it's a classic. I, I truly, in this scene especially, like throughout the whole movie, but especially in this scene, I really need to give a massive shout out to Supre. Um, because there was some serious Supre fashion happening mm. throughout the whole movie, but especially in this scene, just with, like, the black shirt with, like, the big puffy sleeves that were short. It's like a business shirt, oh, yeah. but it's party casual, and I I miss it. I miss 2009. <laughs> yeah, and Misha was doing this thing the whole movie where she was wearing jeans and, like, a very tight T-shirt, just over yes. the top of the jeans that I can remember a lot of a lot of girls doing in high school. The singlet. Where they'd have that and then they'd have other the long, yeah, The long tight singlet over skinny jeans with a heel. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just never, I never knew if that was a shirt or if it, it wasn't was for like you to know. A, some sort of weird belt. Yeah, it, it never for was for to me know. to know. It was a time of traveling pants. <laughs> summer of denim. Um, okay. <laughs> summer so, of denim. <laughs> summer of denim. So, so do we do we get into the jacket? Because Shelby's big plan is to give Mikey a jacket that has the number seven on it. Is that right? Declan shaking his head. That no. Elizabeth that Elizabeth yeah. had brought to give him as a gift. Right. And Shelby has found it in Elizabeth's suitcase, and he's like, "This is a fucking baller gift. Mm. He's gonna love it. I'm gonna give it to him." Yeah. Which is sick. It's a classic move. When <laughs> it's like if one of your best friends is having a birthday. And one of your other friends is like, hey, I'm going to get them one of these. You just get them the same thing and give it to them first. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So oh, the, the other thing is when we when uh, Elizabeth's going through those papers and, she's, and it says like poisonous plants, then it also has one that says daughter did not request autopsy. Yeah. That's how that's how, you know, it was it was her that killed her own mum. And and she did it and she inherited the house and I think the bowling alley. Right. Mm. But. She hasn't been making payments, which is why that old guy shows up at the door and he's basically, I think he works for the bank or whatever, and he's like, you're going to lose them both. You're not making payments. She tries to seduce the old guy. He doesn't go for it. Um, Elizabeth is trapped upstairs. But this is where, I guess, afterwards, Shelby, she goes back to Elizabeth and she's like, I nearly boned your boyfriend last night. I think today's the day. Mm. I think I'm going to get it today. Mm. Like, that's that's just all I want. Yep. And um, and then, yeah, at the, at the end, Shelby does have to admit to Mike that if, if her selfish bitch mum had just died a month earlier, they would have been able to get together. Oh, she, she has to. She has to admit that. Even at this point, Mike's cousin, Billy the cop, is still saying, like, you know what? I think Shelby's the one for you. I think you should, st- I think you should be with Shelby. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's more parts where she, uh, Elizabeth tries to escape and Shelby knocks her out and brings her back in the house. There's one where Shelby gets quite close. She gets out the front door and then like hides in a barn, but she just can't get yeah, out. Yeah, that was oh sick. She tried to open her car door. <laughs> she, she took a jacket before she left because she's like running for her life and is like, oh, it's chilly. So she got a jacket. And then she's like trying to like 
break into her own car and then she sets off the alarm. <laughs> Shelby runs in and you're like, oh, fuck, she's going to die. And then Shelby calls her a dumb bitch and puts her <laughs> hands in the jacket pocket and takes out the keys and stops the alarm. And you can just see her be like, I am a dumb bitch. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that was sick. That was like the best bit of the movie, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. it was actually heart-wrenching. <laughs> It was for somebody who, who loses his car keys on a weekly basis. <laughs> yep. That was just the worst possible scene. <laughs> so the way it all kind of ties together is Billy the cop, who's been trying to hook Shelby and Mike back up, goes over to Shelby's. Is like, I'm going to talk to her, um, and then hears a noise downstairs because I think she's got Shelby in the basement at this point. So he goes down there, sees uh, sees Elizabeth. Oh no, sorry. The, the power. She turns off the power and the power's oh, yeah. out. And he's like, no, I'll just go yeah, fix it. Yeah, that's right. He's like, he's like, oh, I can fix that. And she's like, you know what? I'll just get someone to do it later. And he's like, no, no, no. I insist. I insist. I want to root you. Let me fix your electricity, please. So he just goes downstairs <laughs> and immediately sees Elizabeth just tied up there like, help me. Yeah. And then um, uh, that's when Shelby hacks him with an axe, stabs <laughs> Billy in the chest, takes his gun and then goes to shoot it, and then it's empty, and then is, and you're like, oh, okay, there's like a, a tension, she's gonna shoot him, oh, there's no bullets in it, and then she's like, ah, oh, click, loads it, and shoots him anyway. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. yeah, good moment, like genuinely, genuinely a good, like, tense moment where you think he's gonna reach for a taser or a second gun or something, and it's just like, oh, no, the safety switch wasn't on, and then she does shoot him, like, yeah. you, th- you think something's gonna happen, but... No, and then nothing just... happens, like the whole movie. Yeah. You think something's going to yeah. happen, and then nothing yeah. happens. Which... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but we have built up to the big finale, which is, of course, Mike's uh, retirement jersey celebration. Oh. So he's, he's, he's backstage. Out. Everyone's, like, filled the auditorium or the stadium. I can't remember. But um, they call his name, and right as they're like, here he is, the man of the hour, it's Mike. He's like, oh, shit. The jacket that Shelby gave me has Elizabeth's initials stitched on it. Yeah, which is a fucking weird gift, to be honest. Uh, that's I like to brand all that's mine. Like, yeah, <laughs> I brand every gift I give someone just so they know that I own a little bit of them. <laughs> yeah, just embroider Frankie into everything that you give. <laughs> I to do people. full name. <laughs> and that's when he realizes that actually Elizabeth was the psycho stalking bitch all along. I mean, (laughs) to put your initials on a jacket. So she rushes over to Shelby's house. They immediately get married and they save the bowling alley. The end. Um, Yeah. So Mike, what actually happens is Mike runs to Shelby's. He finds Elizabeth. I can't remember if he sees his. Sorry, can body I just well. say, did, did we cover how fucking long that run went for? It was one shot that went say. for oh, yeah. four minutes. <laughs> it was four minutes of a man <laughs> running in real time. And you know what? He doesn't have a good gait, like for a runner, for for <laughs> he an athlete. Doesn't. He didn't have a good he run. Slowed down towards the end. He got tired. Because <laughs> it was one shot. He's like, I gotta keep running. All right. Was, why Push did through. they make it? You know what would have been good if they kept saying throughout the movie that 
Mikey was such a good football player because he had like the best 200 yard <laughs> sprint in the world or whatever. And then he's like, yeah. oh my God, Shelby's house is 200 <laughs> yards from here. And then just legged it. Yeah, yeah that would have been sick. He was pretending he was chasing like a long ball or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he yeah. was awesome. So he gets there. He goes down. He sees that in the basement, his cousin, the cop, has been shot dead. No, he's stabbed, been hacked up at this hacked. point. He's been hacked up and thrown into a barrel that is now on fire. So he doesn't get to see Billy. Oh, But really? he does run past his, um, his on fire foot. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I didn't, I didn't so see he gets that. to smell his burning corpse. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify. And he, and he immediately recognizes the smell. <laughs> Billy! <Yeah. laughs> he always did like a good smoke, but they cut that line out. I, I, I guess that's the reason he was smoking the whole movie. So he goes down the, into the basement and then, you know, saves, saves the lady. Yeah. So Shelby's pretty, there. Pretty, an, pretty anticlimactic. <laughs> She's got the gun. She, she shoots at him and he football charges her, which I found really funny. He like. He goes, hot, hot, hot. Yeah. 24, 22. He just smashes her. He knocks her out, which it's like the 10th knockout in this movie. But this one really lasts like 10 seconds. She quickly gets up. Um, Elizabeth is the one who has to step up and really take Shelby down. And she like smashes her face with a with weight. With a football helmet. With a foot, with his uh, football, football helmet. helmet. Oh, is that what it was? It's yeah, a yeah. football helmet. It was The sick. thing he could never do to in a football game, Mikey. she finally did. Yeah. She's like, I don't know the rules. Is this okay? She's the- smashing his head. Um, and it gets to that point when you're beating someone's head where in a movie it's like one more and you will kill them. And I think even Mikey yeah. is like, you know what? That's enough. That's enough. Don't do it. Like, yeah. they're, like you, they're at the brink of unconsciousness, but one more and you've turned it into a murder. And so Mikey's like, all right, stop. And then for the third time in about three minutes, Shelby comes back from the brink of unconsciousness. She's like the Terminator. To try and fight again, so then Elizabeth does have to do the final smashes. Which I thought was very funny because I thought it was going to be like one more like thwack, but she went on for like another minute of just thwacking her. And I'm like, babe, babe, she's done. <laughs> yeah. You need to stop. But then she <laughs> but then she breaks down crying like, oh, God. I'm like, yeah. pick a lane. And then we get... Like, a, you know, this is the point of the movie where the main story is over. And I'm always like, how do they wrap this up? Where do they go? Do they show them living happily ever after? Do they whatever? But we get a, a quick home video of Mike and Shelby when they were together. Oh, yeah. That we saw her watching obsessively mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, like eating popcorn and crying while she's watching this. Yeah. And then we get, I guess, Morgan's favorite moment of this movie, which is like Shelby's bloodied face on the basement floor. And then a quick eye opening, just your classic end horror movie where you're like, the serial killer is not dead. The monster wasn't fully mm. killed. Yeah. Just in case they wanted a sequel? to do another, I suppose. Yeah. 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 I thought it was open for a sequel. I'd watch it again. And because of the beating that her face took, <laughs> Misha Barton could have said, I'm not doing the sequel and they could just recast her. And be like, it's a different person with new this face. This was my um, my note on that, was that her face was stunning, pristine. After having been beaten for like a solid minute, it was like she had blood on her nose. Owie. But like, <laughs> just, they could not afford prosthetics at that point. They were just like, no, we've spent too much. We've spent too much on just saying the word homecoming, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> 
They do. They charge. They do charge a lot <laughs> if you say the title of your own movie in the movie. It's royalties. Yeah. You got to pay a tax. You got to pay a, a bad movie tax. <laughs> yeah, that's how Morgie J Freeman rakes in the big bucks. <laughs> but then, just before we fade to black, she says, "Touchdown." <laughs> TBC. Yeah, sick film. Yeah, that brings us to the end. Normally at the end of the podcast, Frankie, we like to just go through, give it a rating out of 10, mm-hmm. uh, talk about whether we thought it deserved to be truly rotten to get zero positive reviews. Uh, me personally, I, like compared to all the other potatoes we've watched in this podcast, this was definitely one of the most watchable. I think I'm going to give it a 5.9 wow. out of 10. Which to me is like one of the highest I think I've given anything. It was actually well made, fairly well acted. It was really just the actual script and like the structure of where the interest and intrigue was meant to come from. I think they just really were like hoping that it was interesting enough. But watching a woman tie up another woman and her like badly trying to escape six times is not a good middle of a movie it didn't ramp up enough. I didn't really like the, the way Mikey turned on from going from being the good guy who really was looking for his girlfriend to just being like, well, I guess I'll party with the boys and have a few beers and play some poker now that I'm back home. So it loses some points for that. But it was watchable all the way through. I didn't get super bored. And uh, Misha Barton deserves to still be a star. She deserves that OC fame. Cheers. She is still a star. And I want to see her back on the big screen doing roles mm. like this, where she gets to flex, you know, an accent, yes. gets to play a bit of a bad boy character, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's her time. It's her time, for sure. I'll follow suit and give it a relatively high rating because it was watchable. It was entertaining compared to a lot of the movies that we watch. Also pretty measly budget I'm now reading now, $1.5 million dollars. Not not bad. Not a bad effort. I mean, I like to I like to judge movies on how much they cost to make and how much money they made at the box office. So with an 8.5 million revenue, this is a good movie based off that. <laughs> I, I'll give it a 6.1. Uh, it's a story as old as time. You know, we've all been there. <laughs> and uh, 6.1. <laughs> Frankie, do you want to do you yeah. jump in or do you want to... Um, I, I would love to. I I feel bad even rating this movie because it was just it was it was so uh. enjoyable. Based on the enjoyment level that I got from watching it, I would give it like an eight or nine. Hell yeah. I enjoyed watching it. Based on the um I guess all of the bones of the movie, I would give it like a five. And if you and if you put those two together, it's a fourteen, which is beautiful. I don't. I just. I really enjoyed it as a bad movie to scream at. It was really great. There were bad accents. There were mm. plot holes, and there was just like vengeful lingerie. It was great. <laughs> it was really great. All right. So, so fourteen yeah. out of ten. That's my is, solid answer. Final score. That's a new record. I yeah. You you potato first. This, this is the biggest potato I've ever seen. I'm a big spud. Big spud. Um, <laughs> Okay, I I would agree that this is why this is what I got into this podcast for a movie that's bad that I'm having fun a hundred percent of the time. I don't think I was bored. I cringed. I laughed. There was bad acting. There was people from obscure horror movies, and you've got 
Marissa from the OC being essentially just Marissa gaslighting everybody is her entire character. And I, yeah, I lived, I lived for this movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can give it as high of a score as Highlander 2 because there was no uh, uh, time-traveling Scotsman's. So I'm going to give this one a solid 7 because, again, it's, it's enjoyment versus the bones of it. And I'd run it back. It's great. I want to throw a question out to my potato pod brethren. Do we think that Misha Barton, who um, I don't judge at all, but I believe at the time of the OC, there was a lot of stories about them maybe partying a bit too hard and, and kind of going down that track. Is there the possibility that they signed on to this movie believing that the Morgan Freeman was the director? <laughs> I think it's a very strong possibility. <laughs> Yeah, and also I'm reading now that one of the producers was someone named Nawala Quinn Barton, who is Misha Barton's mother. Oh! Oh. She's of Irish Irish descent. Um, so it's that producer credit where you don't do anything, but you get like a bit of money for like facilitating the deal or whatever. Yeah, but her wiki says she's best known for producing films such as Homecoming and then a couple others that we don't know about. So yeah. this is what I'm picturing, right? I'm picturing Misha Barton's mother saying, they've given you an offer. You don't have to audition. You get to star in this movie. Okay, who's the director? It's Morgan Freeman. But it's not that I don't care. I'm in. It actually, I, yeah. You probably should hear me out. No, nope, doesn't matter. I'm in. In fact, I'm in. you know, if you, if instead of reading that name, if you heard it from your mother, who's the producer of the film, the director is Morgan J. Freeman. <laughs> Say it like that. Who the hell knows what Morgan Freeman's middle name is? <laughs> yeah. You present it like that. Like, I don't, yeah. That sounds salacious. I don't need to hear the middle initial. I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. You said Morgan Freeman was directing this. No, I said Morgan J. Freeman. It's a totally different guy. Now, Frankie, before you, before you went into this movie, what was the expectation? Like, you knew the premise. It's 0% movie. But were you prepared for what you got? No, because it was better than 0%. I think it, it definitely like yeah. exceeded my expectations. Like I was kind of like, I'm like, I'm going to have to do some knitting or something while I'm watching this. Like I'm going to be bored shitless. But I was not <laughs> bored. So it was great. So you too can make a 0% movie that changes lives. <laughs> Never forget. That's the goal, is to make a 0% rated movie. <laughs> it's actually kind of watchable on one <laughs> Yeah. It's one of the hardest things a filmmaker can do. <laughs> Get no critics to say it was good, but it still be kind of good. I almost feel like you got away light then, Frankie, because a lot of people who've come on this podcast, you know, have had to endure the toughest podcast mm. in Australian history. The hardest podcast. No, this was the sweetest podcast. Aww. Yeah, this was the sweetest podcast in Australian history. I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> um, it felt like it felt like having a little team bickies. This was this was not tough. Oh, I we'll should... have to get you back on then, and we'll have to really put you through the ring. <laughs> yeah, there's. Do you know about um about the streaming service uh, Tubi? I think it's called Tubi. Oh yeah. Yeah, they do like um like C grade movies that just like never made it anyway. Anyway, there's a Titanic two and there's one called Queen Crab that I assume <gasps> got zero percent. Titanic two. Either one. Come back and we are down to do either one of those two <laughs> movies. Um, yeah. Very excited. I would love that. Cra crab. Queen? Oh no, Queen Crab. Queen Crab. Okay. 
Titanic 2 starring Bruce Davison and Brooke Burns. Oh. Me love, me love Bruce Davison. Wow. <laughs> He's the modern day Leo DiCaprio, isn't what he? Did, what did it get? He must be. Percentage wise. Well, I'm, did it get I'm Googling more than zero? Bruce Davison we- now. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's got 100% rating. <laughs> okay. To get on the official list, I think you need to have had 20 like professional yeah. critic reviews that uh. none of them were... So yeah, it doesn't have like it doesn't have tons of those movies that you've just never heard of. It's they have to have been like fairly mm. wide releases. Oh, so like people made these and then being like, please, critics, watch and enjoy, <laughs> and then they have not. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's awesome. That's Ooh. it. It does have fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh. I- Fifteen percent. All right, that's we leeway. can't watch that. No, that's that's perfectly in our wheelhouse. No, yeah. no, zero or nothing. Sometimes fifteen percent is like one positive rate. <laughs> Someone <laughs> liked it. It was the director. So that still makes it. It was the Titanic itself. <laughs> it got to rate. <laughs> I just love people are still talking about me. <laughs> I think that a lot of the movies we talk about in this podcast would be ones that just no one has seen in a long time. Like a lot of them are really hard to find. And the directors probably see it as like a black mark on their resume and they're just like, I hope no one knows about that because getting 0% would hurt. But then the fact that we talk about it for an hour and a half, <laughs> that's got to that's gotta soften the blow a bit, right? That's the, uh, that's the little... Yeah, you've got to open up that word. Yeah, that's the little maraschino cherry on the, on the whipped cream. I think cream that more is like 0%. the necessary decapitation of a limb. <laughs> it's got to be done. You, you must do it. It'll make you feel better afterwards. Uh, well, I think that brings us pretty much to the end. Amputation, um, that's Frankie, the word. is there Not anything you want to plug where people can find you? Yeah. Where they can hear or see you? I am on all like social media this is frankie mcnair um have a geese you can see where i'm doing gigs i do have a podcast called worst gigs but i don't think i want to do it anymore but all the episodes i have done are up there if you want to give them a listen um i just talked to like comics about the worst gigs i've ever done and it's very very fun but yeah i think that's everything i got hell yeah and you're retiring the podcast. I think it's, so. It's yeah, I started it in lockdown last year and it was really fun. And then like as things have opened up, I just like, I just haven't been like putting aside the time to do it. And then I'm stressing out about the fact that I'm not doing it. So I'm just like, oh, babe, you don't have to do, you don't have to do it. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I'm just like being like, oh, you can just do something for a period of time and then let it go crazy. That's cool. That's very Jerry Seinfeld, just ending when you're on top. <laughs> I hope we one day just never come back for another episode of the pod. And just There's just a last one and people go, hey, do you still do that? And you go, well, no. But you can listen if you want. They're still good. Like, I still think they're good, but I'm just, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got things to do. Got You've got a life do. to live. Yeah. I've got to go. I've got to go and be hot, you know? It takes up so much time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a tough life. It is. You know, it's exhausting. Being hot all the time. Yeah. I'm constantly dripping in sweat as a result. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me on. This was super, super fun. I'm really glad I got to watch it and got to um, scream about it with you all. It was really fun. Anytime. Thank Thanks so much for coming on. You're a legend. We'll end the podcast like we end every podcast when we have a guest, which is through the featured question of the week segment here. So what's the question this week? Okay, here it is. All right, Frankie McNair. We've got Elvis Presley, The Beatles, Madonna, The Spice Girls, DJ Otzi. 
Frankie, is rock and roll dead? No. <laughs> oh, Excellent. no. Absolutely not. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. This has been Truly Rotten Potatoes. <laughs> rock and roll will never die. I've been Leonardo Decapitation. <laughs> and so have I. <laughs> Thanks, Kat. All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, oh, Hayden, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, thanks, boys. Um, Look, firstly, I just want to say thank you to the guest name goes here uh, for being on the podcast. You or you've been really good on this podcast. And um, I think that your or you've comedy or acting or music is really great or them. And as for the film or films that we watched, they were really good. But on a serious or serious note, Homecoming, what a film. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say how much I enjoyed this film. It was really, really enjoyable. Misha Barton actually fucking hit it out of the park with her acting. She was maniacal and like hilarious. And also I think she had like a kind of a Southern accent thing going on that was like just there a touch. And she was just, she was so insane. I really, really enjoyed the film. I thought it was funny. I thought it was quirky. I thought, um, I had a real monster's ball with it. So, um, take from that what you will. No, great film. Cool idea. Quite spooky. And Misha really, really like she, she, she was the she kept me watching. I enjoyed it. Or them. 